Good evening and welcome to our midweek Bible study and uh, we're going to have a look at Hebrews chapter 5. So we'll read that chapter together, Hebrews chapter 5, starting to read at verse 1 and through to the end, verse 14. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters relating to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sin, as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honour upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today, I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's work, word all over again. You need milk, not solid foods. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Oh God will bless that word to us and let's just pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word. Um, we do thank you that we can read it together in this way and gather around it and in the knowledge that you are here in our midst. And as we do this, we lean upon you. We lean upon the things that you would teach us through it. As we commit ourselves into your hands, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask these things and we bring them to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right, so Hebrews chapter 5, um, and this is quite rightly headed, the priesthood. That's what we're going to have a look at. You know, we live in a technological... <laughs> I can't even say it. We live in a technological age where someone will say to us, why are you still doing it that way when you have something that will do it much better? And our excuse usually is, uh, well, I don't understand all the buttons. And I feel more comfortable with the old way of doing it. Now, I know this is a poor example, but I hope it will help us see why this letter to the Hebrews was so important and why it was written. What the Jewish Christians had was much better than what they had had before. They need to understand this. What they have in Jesus was far superior to the law, and they needed to know that. And this is... They are, they are not to be like their ancestors in their history. 
their ancestors were, were, were set free by God from slavery under Pharaoh. And then when they got into the wilderness and things got a little bit difficult, they turned around and said to Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. What they now have, these readers of the letter, under the new promises, far superior what they had under the old covenant. By them turning back to the old ways, we put them back into following the, the high priest, observing the sacrifices and the offerings, the temple worship, and thus, by doing that, denying the power of the cross. Now, they know the credentials required for the position of high priest. They, they were brought up with this, and they know exactly who the high priest is, what the high priest does, and what relations he has, he has in society, and, and, and the things that he has to do. So this is where the writer will start. Start with what the people know. And so, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says this, Every high priest is selected from among the people, and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. See, he had to be one of them. That's the first thing. And he would be one who was selected from among them. And his role would be to represent the people in the presence of God. And he would do that by presenting both their gifts and their sacrifices to God on behalf of sin. It doesn't remove the sin, it's on behalf of sin. In verse 2 we read, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. He would have to have the ability to deal gently with those who do not know God's ways. And referred to as being the ignorant, they don't understand, they need help. And with those who are moving away from God's way, and they also need help, they need direction. So he had to know how to teach God's will, and also to gently, as it were, lead the lost sheep back to the fold. Verses 3 and 4. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. Aaron was. You see, he's human. He is a person. He's one of them. And he has to offer sacrifice for himself because he recognised that he himself is a sinner, a sinner who needs forgiveness. We also hear that no man could take this role upon himself. He was chosen by God. And he has a position of respect. But all the honour is to God. All this is good. And it is God-given. If we go back in the, the history of, of these people, the Israelites, and we can do that in our Bibles in the Old Testament, then you will see there that others tried to take on this position and perform the duties of the high priest, such as King Saul, he tried to do it. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and you can read through that. 
Cora, in number 16, he tried to do that. If you go to 2, Chronicle, two Chronicles 26, King Uzziah tried to do that. Now, you can go back and read those references and see what it was, but the main point is this. They tried to take on the position of high priest and do the work that was designated to the high priest. And because they did that, they were punished by God for usurping this position that God had given to Aaron and his sons. And you can read about that as well in Exodus chapter 28. The high priest was chosen by God. He was chosen from among men, among the people, and he was to minister for men, for the people. As great as he was, there is one who is greater. And that's what these people need to learn or relearn. Now, let us hear what the writer has to say about Jesus, he's already introduced the subject in verse uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4, and I think it's verse 14, where it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. So he's already introduced Jesus. He's introduced him as the Son of God. And he's also said to these writers of this letter, that's them and us. We, we have a great high priest. Now, the writer will start to make a comparison between the priesthood of Aaron and Jesus and of the position of Aaron and Jesus. So let's go to verse 5 and 6 of our chapter 5. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's an awful lot in those verses. And we're going to have a look at them as we go through the, the whole book of Hebrews. He's saying here, Jesus is, is, notice that, is God's son. He is, notice that again, he is a priest. And he is, notice this, a priest forever. We also have the introduction to the priesthood of Melchizedek and this will be explored later in this letter uh, and we will look at it in more detail when we come to those passages but you know like any good teacher we are introduced to him early on I, when I think about these things this is reality but you know fiction will imitate reality and any good fictional writer who's trying to present a drama will introduce important characters early on in the script, maybe in a, in a lesser role or maybe just a mention, and we will see those characters develop and grow. And by knowing that, it helps us understand the storyline. We also use this method in good conversation. Um, we introduce things into the conversation, which we will explain a little bit later on, but at the moment in the conversation, it's not the time to do it. 
but the listener will have heard it and will be ready for it when the explanation comes and probably thinking about it in the meantime. And this also makes it more prominent. And that's what the writer's doing here. And we're seeing in these verses that we've just read just now, we're seeing the deity of Jesus. That is there. But for the time being, the writer will move to showing that his humanity also is a qualification of him being high priest. So let's go to verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save from death, save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now remember, we're talking here about the humanity of Jesus, not the deity of Jesus. And while being totally man, he was totally God. But he was totally man in as much as he knew no sin. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, <laughs> forgive me for this, I know it's a bit way off, but I was thinking about Christmas and the Christmas carols we sing. And, and the one that came to mind was once in Royal David's City. And you probably know the bit I'm going to quote. For here's our childhood's pattern. Day by day, like us, he grew. He was little, weak and helpless. Tears and smiles, like us, he knew. And he feels for all our sadness. And he shares in all our gladness. Jesus was one of us from birth through to death. And then... I thought about his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed these words. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then I'm going to go to Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We see here his humanity, we see his complete commitments to being human. We see his continued faithfulness as a man being faithful to God's will. He's veiled his glory. In verse 8 and 9 of our chapter this evening, so low he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Again, remember, we're looking at the humanity of Jesus and the completeness of it. Not that he had to learn obedience. He knew obedience. But he learned what it was to be a human who obeyed. His humanity was so complete that while still being God and sinless, he learned what it was like for man to be obedient to the will of the Father. He went through that process. He was perfect but he was on the road that we have to walk towards perfection. And he walked it, walked it as we walk. 
the verse I'm going to quote, or the few verses I'm going to quote, you're probably way ahead of me. You probably know where, where it is. It's in Philippians. It's Philippians chapter 2, and it's verse 6 through to verse 8. And again, this is speaking of you, the humanity of Jesus. This is what it says. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. His obedience to death was, death had no hold on him. He was sinless. But he was obedient to death for your sake and mine. So we come to verse 10. The text goes on. As was designated by God to the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So here we have another reference to Melchizedek. And again, this is in preparation for what we're going to hear later in the letter. But our minds are already thinking about it. And we're already trying to work out who is this character Melchizedek and how does he fit into all this. But at the moment, we're concentrating on the humanity of Jesus and his human credentials to be high priest. And we can look at Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. But the important thing to note is that the title high priest belongs to Jesus. And here we have in this verse a little link to his kingship as well which is going into his deity but back to verse 11 we have much to say about this but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand again I was thinking about this verse and my mind goes back to what I was thinking about the beginning technology it could be something like cruise control on a car now, I know what it will do. And it's not that I don't trust that it will work. It's just that I don't understand it. So because I don't understand it, I know about it. But I carry on with the old way. Again, it's a poor illustration, but it helps me understand some of these verses. The problem these people are having has its roots in the fact that they have they have stopped trying to understand. They have stopped wanting to learn. And so they're not growing in their faith and they're being tempted away from it. And it's because, well, they're lazy. Verse 12. In fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So these people are being challenged, and they're being rebuked. 
Maturity is needed. Maturity is developing towards full growth. And they were not doing this. So for them, now, at this point of the letter, it's back to school. To relearn the basics. And I say relearn, not learn. Relearn the basics because they are forgetting the things that they once knew. Uh, this is what you feel like as a parent when your young child asks for help with their homework and suddenly you realise you've got to go back and relearn the things that you once knew like long division and fractions and how to work out percentages because we've forgotten how to do it that's what these people are in danger of doing but this is more serious than just forgetting your maths verse 13 and 14 as we come towards the end of the chapter anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil so here is the starting point to learn about righteousness and to having the ability to distinguish between what is good and what is evil what is right and what is wrong now we're going to finish here but as we do i just want us to think of a couple of verses um, this is words from Paul to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7-8 Have nothing to do with the godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value. But godliness is value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living god who is the savior of all people and especially those who believe now timothy is being told here and giving advice by paul as he's dealing with people who are not exactly the same as the ones in hebrews but they are people who are needing to go back to the things they already know and to relearn them. I'm going to read those verses again as we finish because they can relate to us in our day. We're not tempted to go back to the old ways of Judaism or of temple worship. But maybe sometimes we're drawn back to the old ways of life that we once knew. So... I have nothing to do with godless myths or, or wives' tales, whatever they may be, in our lives. Tales, rather. Train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. So, chapter 6, 
you, like me, were encouraged to get ready for it. Roll our sleeves up, get down to work. And the phrase is, so listen up, class. And I'm included in that as well. I need to listen up. Let's just pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truths held within it. We do acknowledge before you our often lack of understanding, even lack of application, and even that we forget things that we should be remembering, that we get so tied up with the daily life and things that are surrounding us and other problems and even other delights that are in our lives that can move us just a little bit away from you. Our Father, bring us back, bring us back, not by the wisdom of man, but by the power of your word, the living word. That's what we're looking at now. Give us that desire to know more about you and be more like you. And our Father, we commit these times, these troubled times, these difficult times into your hands, that through it all, we might really be aware of your presence with us and really seek your guidance and come to know you better. Our Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless, and um, <laughs> we'll look forward now as we go into chapter 6.